So uh, we are in that season after Easter, uh, the one, the season where we get to read the Easter stories, the resurrection stories, the unbelievable Jesus is with us alive and in our presence stories. They're some of my favorites I shared with you last week. And so this week is a, a story that is similar to the one that we shared. Uh, the disciples are in the room, they're afraid and they're frightened. It, it follows on the footsteps of the preceding story, which is one of my favorites, all-time favorites, about the disciples who are walking all the way to Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And on this journey, they're talking about everything that has happened, their disbelief, and, and the fact that the women came and told them the, the tomb was empty, and they saw Jesus, and they're, they're just not believing it. And Jesus stands beside them. Not only stands beside them, walks beside them. And they have this entire conversation for seven miles. I don't know if you've walked for seven miles, but that's a long walk, right? Seven miles, they have this conversation. And Jesus tells them all kinds of things that they already know. He just opens the scripture and he just pours out God's word upon them. And at the end of their journey, they invite him for dinner. And when he breaks the bread, that's when they realize this is the living Christ in front of us. And so they cannot contain themselves. They get up, they run, they head to Jerusalem, and that's where they find their friends. Today's story comes from Luke in the 24th chapter, verses 36 through 48. Listen to this part of that amazing story. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wandering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, these are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, It is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to raise from the dead in, on the third day, and that Repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in the name of all nations, in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You, you are witnesses of these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for this word. We give you thanks that you are in our very presence today, and we ask that may the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth, that they might be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Several years ago, Kelly and I took a Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University course at our church. This, this is a course about budgeting and saving and investing and giving. At that time, Kelly and I had a lot to learn about uh, this financial stewardship, both on a, on a personal level and in our Christian lives. The course is taught through a series of videos in which Dave Ramsey, and a very entertaining kind of motivational speaker type, uh, uses metaphors and demonstrations to help us think about how we can turn those bad financial habits into good financial habits when it comes to money management. In one particular session, Dave talks about this thing called financial security, and he describes that in every uh, uh, relationship, every relationship in a home, there is one person that has an overactive security gland, okay, a security gland. He says it's located right about here, and it goes into high gear when you're a little bit uncertain about paying the bills or things are a little tight, right? So when we got together afterwards at our tables and began to talk about it, I had to admit that I'm the one, I'm the one in Kelly and I's relationship that has that security gland. Now, that's not always a bad thing, you see, because it, it keeps you from erring um, and going too far and being a spendthrift, right? I mean, I, I uh, usually pull back a little bit during tight times, but it also can, can cause me to be paralyzed and, and uh, cause me to enter into a state of inaction, okay? So this security gland. I kind of remember that this security gland goes into high gear in other parts of my life as well, not only in financial parts, but also like when I was a kid, I didn't like fireworks. So that made it hard on the 4th of July, right? So when the fireworks would start, I mean, that just frightened me to no end. It felt like imminent danger all around me as the, as the booming of the fireworks were going off. I was the one that was known to go into the house and sometimes hide underneath the bed. It was under that bed that I found a sense of security, and usually whomever's house I was at, I found the family pet as well under there. <laughs> well, that's exactly where we find Jesus' disciples today in our reading, not under a bed, but they're certainly huddled together. They're hiding because they're afraid of what looms outside the doors. They have just been through this amazing time in which, in which they have seen their best friend, their beloved Lord, suffer the most <coughs> atrocious death that there is possible at the time. And then, to boot, they've had these stories about the women who said they went to the tomb and, and he's not there. And Peter says, yes, that's true. I didn't find it. I found it empty. The women said, we saw Jesus. And then they have these these friends that had taken off to go to Emmaus, they turned around and came back right away because they too had seen Jesus. Emotions were high in that room. Their security gland was in over, over, overacting right then. Danger seemed everywhere. And it's right then and there that Jesus steps into their midst. And when Jesus steps into your midst, when you are frightened and afraid already, they were terrified, and they were amazed. In fact, they think they're probably seeing a ghost. That's what the scripture says. Well, it's a natural human response uh, to fear that which we don't understand. 
And so Jesus speaks into them. He acknowledges their fears in a couple of ways. First, he says he offers them his peace. Okay? He offers them his peace, and then he offers them wisdom and enlightenment. He lets them lean back into the scriptures that they already know, those scriptures that are a part of them, and he offers them a new understanding. He says, peace be with you. Now, this peace, we talked a little bit about it last week. John, in the book of John, Jesus tells him, his disciples, I'm going to leave you with my peace. Now, this is not the peace the world gives us. It's not that peace that says everything is calm and okay around us. This is a peace that even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of our greatest fears, we know it's going to be okay. This is Jesus' peace. Jesus meets them right where they are in this place of uncertainty and this place of fear. And then Luke tells us that the disciples' fear suddenly turned to joy. And they begin to, to lean into, oh my gosh, this really truly could be Jesus, the one we loved. This could be our hope of the future, standing right here, and yet they're still filled with a little bit of doubt and wonder. And so Jesus breathes on them and gives them a sense of wisdom and insight into all the scriptures, and all of a sudden they find them saying, oh, absolutely, this is exactly what Jesus has been telling us about. And it is in that moment that their blood pressure seems to lower, their hearts seem to calm, and Jesus moves to the next level. He says, you know the law, you know the prophets, you know all of this wisdom literature, and now I'm going to send you out to be the witness. I'm going to send you out to be the witness because now you have my peace, my peace that says death will never have the final word. And in that moment, they are set free from their bonds of insecurity in this world, and they are commissioned to go and be witnesses in all of the world. The seeds that are planted in them will come into fruition after 50 days with the coming of the Holy Spirit at the Pentecost event. By inviting them to touch and to see, by inviting them to share with him their own food, a piece of fish, Jesus lets them know that they are not hallucinating, that in fact he is alive and he is flesh and bone and he is with them. And then he challenges them to move beyond their own insecurities. Death will never have the final word. Death is transcended by resurrection. So it's human nature to have fears. All of us have them from time to time. There's the personal fears in our lives. They hold us captive. Sometimes it's health issues. Sometimes it's financial or unemployment or loneliness or isolation. 
Sometimes these fear play themselves out economically in our larger setting, like the reality of the impact of the pandemic on our local and national businesses, especially the small business owner. And sometimes it's a matter of physical security. As we listen to the news day after day, and we hear of the civil unrest, not only in our nation, but across the globe, we begin to have a sense of we don't even know who our ally is and who is our foe. We don't know if it's our neighbor, if it's our friend. We begin to be a little uncertain. These fears sometimes can hold us hostage. They can keep us huddled in our safe places. And we won't be able to do because we don't want to have to do that thing that drives us outside of our comfort zone. But that's exactly what Jesus is asking us to do. To work against our own security gland that is in hyper overdrive. In the midst of our fear, Jesus shows up and says, I'm alive. Really, really, I'm alive. I am flesh and bone. I breathe and I eat. Furthermore, death has no dominion over you as it has no dominion over me. So these early resurrection stories seem to be saying that God offers us peace rather than security. Let me say that again. God offers us peace rather than security. Now let me unpack that a little bit. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, is a, was a Christian who was held captive in the Nazi concentration camps camps and actually died for his faith. Before that time, though, he spent several years at Union Theological College in New York. And one morning in 1934, he gave this sermon on peace and security, and he had this to say about peace. He says, how does peace come about? Through systems of political treaties? through the investment of international capital in different countries, or through universal peaceful rearmament in order to guarantee peace? Through none of these, he says. For the sole reason that all of them, peace is confused with safety. Peace is confused with safety. A contemporary of Bonhoeffer's goes on to kind of develop that, to, to hone into that. Her name is Dorothy Soil, and she writes an essay called Peace, Not Security. And she grew up in Germany, and in 1929, she began to see the atrocities that came out of World War II and Nazism and Hitler. And, and uh, she began to look around and realize that it seemed that the uh, Christian church was paralyzed. It didn't seem to be able to stop the war. She says she believes that's because they had an overactive security gland. No, that's actually my words. But in her words, it was similar to a security gland. She said that, that they had desired security over peace, over Christ's peace, and that's why they became paralyzed. So we'll believe that Christians could bring about peaceful change in our world. She wrote in this essay, she said these words, change happens at the level of action that contains risk. Risk, like the risk 
the disciples had to make when they stepped out of that locked room. Like the risk that you and I have to make when we do something that is uncomfortable or outside our comfort zone. The risen Christ brought change in the life of the disciples, gave them peace and moved them from frightened, from being afraid and frightened to a mix of joy and doubt and wonder and then he opened their minds and their hearts and he gave them something that compelled them compelled them to move past that sense of risk that sense of danger and to go forth and be the the, the witness to the risen Christ I wonder what our Christian lives would look like today if we kept our security gland in check opting for peace rather than security securities that keep our systems our positions our perspectives safe in our own little camp I wonder what that would look like there was two women one named Susan Reddick and one named Patty Quigley and they were widows of 9-11 Susan was in her seventh month of pregnancy with her third child when her husband David was killed on American Flight 11 and Patty was eight months pregnant with their second child when her husband Patrick was killed in United Flight 125. Both women were from neighboring suburbs of Boston and they met shortly after that tragic day. Now both women were overwhelmed with the sense of generosity that went out to them that circled around them and showered them for months with love and support. And, and it helped them navigate this world of uncertainty and danger that they felt. And it helped them grow into their world as single mothers. It helped them sustain financially and emotionally and spiritually. And then one day, Susan was reading about Afghani women, Afghani widows specifically, and she read that after decades of war, these women were left without their husbands in a world that was totally different than her own. You see, in Afghanistan, if a woman is without a man, a woman has no rights, a woman is cast aside. And so unlike Susan's experience of love and support, these women had none. And so um, she decided to share this story with her new friend Patty, and they agreed that they needed to do something something out of the love and the support and the peace that they found following their own tragedy. And so they gathered people around them and they began a foundation that would provide um, financial support and food and clothing and shelter for these women and their children. Halfway across the world. Out of their own experience, they shared halfway across the world with the women that looked nothing like them, with the woman, women that looked a lot like the men who took their husbands' lives. 
And in 2006, they were able to travel to Afghanistan and actually meet these women. And this foundation continues today. It's called Beyond 9-11. Beyond the security that was felt before 9-11 and destroyed during 9-11. Friends, Susan and Patty left their own security blanket behind at home and they traded it instead for a deeper relationship with Jesus, a living Jesus, a flesh and bone breathing Jesus that they found in their own mints, in the eyes and the actions of their friends and the community that circled around them. And then they brought that same Jesus with them to these Afghani women and children so that they too could find this sense of peace. In turn, they give us a model, a model to open our minds and our understanding, a model about action that speaks louder than the risks that it represents, a model that says we build bridges rather than tear worlds apart when we lead into this living Christ example of moving beyond our own security gland, a model that says we build peace when two worlds that are vastly different and mostly at odds come together. 20 years after that event of 9-11, our world is still crying out. God is calling us to live a resurrection life, showing our faith by the way that we choose to live it out, the way that we encounter those who don't look like us and are a whole lot unlike us, is the very witness to this living Christ in our own lives. And that's the way that you and I are able to courageously move beyond security to a place of peace, Christ's peace. Thanks be to God. Amen.